Shut up and sit down. everybody um this impromptu radio show is brought to you by my boredom indeed uh, i hope everybody had a fantastic um new year's and that you've not made any ridiculous resolutions that you would don't intend to keep uh make some goals make some realistic goals that will make you feel good about yourself when you when you meet them um and be kind to you just really be kind to yourself this year. That's my goal, to be kind to me, because um, I am often my worst critic, and I am um, often the first to criticize me um, for uh, whatever, you know, how I look or what I said or, you know, what I said in the third grade. You know, you ever you ever be awake in the middle of the night? And you can't sleep. You're thinking about some dumb thing you did in the third grade. That's anxiety. And that is often my life. Um, even though I am properly medicated, sometimes it gets the best of me, right? You know, so <clears throat> sometimes I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning wondering why the hell I wore that pink bow in my hair in the third grade. Uh, it was it was a dumb it was a dumb idea it was it was dumbness it was it was not a good look for me my head was too big for that um, and unfortunately there's photographic evidence of it, it, it it's just it's it's not good it's it's not good at all um, so hi ancestor on the other side of the world not literally the whole side of the world but you know halfway across the world um, I hope you're having a good morning afternoon evening. I'm not really sure how far behind or ahead of me you are. Um, it is 10 o'clock at night on Friday for me. Um, anyways, I, uh, I've i been meandering through my works in progress, trying to find something to work on. To um, It's 4 a.m. where you are. Wow. Well, good morning. <laughs> 4 a.m. on Saturday. Good morning. Um, I, you know, and I'm also actually um, a little concerned that I might not be able to participate in April's challenge because I'm having problems with my wrist. Um, and it's my right wrist, and I am right-handed, and I'm, uh, I've got some inflammation in it. And we tried a steroid shot, and it didn't work. So I think the next option will probably be surgery. And I'm not sure how long I'll be down for that surgery. And I'm not really um, – I'm not into it. I'm not into it. So I don't know how I feel about it. But I don't want it to get worse. And so that's the trade-off. Do I – you know, how do I manage that? So anyways – I've got Lady Holder on the line. She's going to join me in conversation. And um, this is officially your writer's table. So if you have any writer-type questions you'd like to ask, that would be great. Yes, they would. 
So I have new headphones, so I really can't tell how I sound. You sound great. Okay. That's good. The husband said I sounded okay, but hey, he's, he's <laughs> you know, biased and stuff. The, the thing I'm really happy about is there's no cord, so the cat's not chewing on them anymore. Good. So, That's you good. know, small, small favors here. <clears throat> but, yeah, um, are you getting carpal tunnel syndrome? Um, no, I or, have. Or um, I have. I was actually tested for carpal tunnel. I do not have carpal tunnel. What I have Can't is tenosynovitis. That sounds lovely. It's when the it's when the tendons in your on the thumb side of your wrist um, become uh, inflamed and tense, and there's a okay. sheath around them that can cut to give your tendon more room so that it won't be. Um, yeah, um, and it's a day surgery, but I'm not sure what the recovery is going to be like. Um, I'm pretty sure so. that you've looked into it. Have you? Have you? No, I mean I have a pamphlet, but I haven't talked to the doctor about it because our first go around was a uh, shot because my insurance made me take a shot first, so I had a steroid shot. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. So yeah, I have. Go. Yeah, I have carpal tunnel in both hands, so yeah, my sympathies. I'm actually fortunate. I I did the nerve study where he um. Mm-hmm. needles in my arm. I did not know there were going to be needles involved. Um, but I really didn't mind that part. It, it really didn't bother me. Um, <laughs> it, was just, it was the part where they didn't tell me it was going to happen. That I don't like surprises. Um, mm-hmm. And um, Be- so Better to be prepared uh, for something. I have no carpal tunnel at all. Not even a mild case. Yeah. I just have this inflamed tendon. Which is enough because yeah. it shoots pain from mm-hmm. my wrist to my elbow, like like I've got a knife in my arm. Question for you: um, What type of a, a mouse are you using? Um, I have an ergonomic, I have an ergonomic mouse. Okay, so you, you, you don't have the traditional. Yeah. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, because I've got one I of have the, a, the Logitech thumbnails. And I have a foot rest. I have a wrist rest. On my mm-hmm. mouse pad, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm ergonomically set up. Uh, my keyboard's in my lap, you know, so it isn't like mm-hmm. so whatever it is, it's um, it's not a repetitive injury or like that. It's probably related to my fibro. Okay. No. No. Not the greatest thing, but still. No. No. Okay, so I don't know. Are there any? Did you have any questions floating around the the um, the writers uh, that that your question list? No, not or really. It, not not that it, not that it hadn't already been addressed, um, mm, or that none that were you know needed to come onto the show for that. It was really short answer stuff. I. Um, <clears throat> I was in a, a Yahoo group today, and the mm, a, a large majority of them are reading not Yahoo. I'm sorry, I was in a Facebook group. A, the large majority of mm-hmm. them are reading on this particular thread. We're reading Darkly Lowell, and um, 
one of the readers said that um, she was disappointed in the lack of uh, content from the future and that she would like to have seen more of their relationship before they went back in time. And the thing is, I had thought about that. Um, but when mm-hmm. you're plotting a story like Darkly Lowell, which has time travel in it, and um, I went into that knowing that Hermione was going to be essentially murdered um, and that mm-hmm. that would be the evidence of their time travel. Um, and you, as a writer, you want to balance your reader's experience and putting a lot of heavy content on the front end of the time travel would have um, mm-hmm. made it very angsty and very, um, it would have been a more serious, now it's a serious blow. The the scene, mm-hmm. I mean, the story opens up literally with her murder, but it would have been a more serious blow if you'd have seen um, anything else. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's, the, it's, the more content was there, the the harder it would have been to let go and go back in time. Yeah. And you might have been tempted to try and fix it within what you had. You know. Um, it worked for me. Um, it, it was a very immediate gut punch that, right. you know, we, we <laughs> Houston, we have a problem and it's happening immediately. You know. There, there was no backstory, no lead up. Um, That's what you want. A question you us. want to, I, yeah. Yeah. you want to, as a writer, to kind of you know punch your reader in the face as you're coming into it, mm-hmm. one way or another, whether it's with something traumatic mm-hmm. or something really joyful or something really exciting or scary, you know, to just kind of drag them into the story and then make them play mm-hmm. catch up. So that way, you you know. Yeah, I mean, I figure you've got a um, a bit of a lead up. Um, you know, it might be a page or two, or just a little bit longer, but just enough so that way people can get their feet and say, "Okay, I'm in this story, and th- these are my characters." And hey, we're in the past, right? Um, I, Kyle, you're right. I think if any, if you if there's been any more content in the front end, um the time travel ritual itself would have been extremely traumatic. It was traumatic Considering enough. what Harry has. Yeah, it is. But it would have mm-hmm. been like doubled. Um, mm-hmm. So Ellie asks, any helpful hints for editing a longer story? I'm starting my first novel length, and I just wondered if you tend to take it as a whole or break it into chunks to work on at a time. You're starting to edit your first full-length novel, or you're starting to write your first full-length novel? You're editing, right? You're starting to, okay. I think that's what she said. Uh, um, for me, when it comes to editing a large work, uh, I do, uh, I give myself a break from it. So I'm going to, you've you've had your break from it. This is your nano, right? Um, you've had your break. And so you can go into it kind of with um, semi-fresh eyes. Um, mm-hmm. You want to read the whole thing through and look for continuity, um, check for plot holes, and make notes about that. Maybe note, you know, maybe use your track changes to leave yourself notes to the narrative as you're going through it. Um, fix any problems or issues you have with continuity to make sure your characters stay the same age and they just keep the same eye color and um, 
you don't have any wild hair tangents or just tangents running a running amok in the back of your plot. After you've done that, amok, 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 amok. After <laughs> if you don't get that, you're too old for this podcast. Go to bed. Uh, or you're not old enough. <laughs> you're not old enough for this podcast. Um, either way, if you don't get it, you're either too old or too young. Go to bed. Um, uh, Anyway, what was I saying? Okay, after you've done your uh, your continuity and your content edit, um, then I would split it up into chunks. I, um, for instance, my quantum bang was 115k, and I did it in um, three sections. Mhm. Um. In darkly loyal, if you go over and look at the how I posted it, that's how I edited it. So chapter one through five, I separated the document out into those into those chapter chunks, and then I edited it as I posted. So I posted one ch- chapter one through five because I edited one through five together, and then I posted it. But that was after I did my big content edit to make sure I didn't have any huge plot holes. Mm-hmm. And it's especially important if you're working with a beta. You don't want to throw a hundred k at your beta. Um. At least not more than once. You know, know, so it just depends. Because, like, um, when I split my beta up for my quantum bang, like I said, I did three parts. I did my three-part edit, and then I sent all three parts to Lady Holder. She did her three-part edit, and now they're on beta number two, and she has all three parts. Um, But she's not Mm -hmm. working on all three parts together. Yeah. Um, getting it in chunks was useful. Um, I've worked in but, one but big you long. But the whole thing before. Well, yeah. But, and, and, you know, no lie, I'm, I'm not going to say that, <laughs> that it wasn't, you know. Um, it was a little weird to get the smaller chunks when I was used to the, the big item, if you will. But once... Um, you know, it, it gave me a, you know, yes, I can I can get through this thing, and it's a sense of accomplishment that I've got part one down and part two and then <laughs> part three <laughs> because big parts. Um, and it all, I mean, it hurts back to the memory of doing Lantian Legacy, which is incredibly tight, feels huge, isn't huge, but God, yeah, it felt it's, huge. And I think it's that, under 50K. No, I thought it was more than that. Fifty-one. It's it's not much more than we can look, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, is it was the biggest one I'd ever done for you by that point. True, true. Because I had not. I mean, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Kyla asked, "If you're doing a project with a deadline like Quantum Bang and need to get it to a beta or an alpha read, how much time should you allow for the person to do that? <sighs> and do you get it, it back in make- edit?" Um, but I didn't give you any kind of deadline because we're not even brushing up against no. the rough draft deadline for Quantum Bang. Um, I think that when you're working on something like the Quantum Bang, you let your beta know, um, look, this, this project has a deadline. So if um, you can't help me meet this deadline, I'm, I need to know now because um, mm-hmm. 
you don't want to depend on them to turn it around and say two or three weeks and then they take four or five or six and you're rushing up against mm-hmm. the deadline for the final post and you don't have your um, your beta. Now, I think that um, if I wanted an alpha read, um, I would do an alpha read between my personal edit and my beta. Okay. Because an alpha read, um, you don't want to do it after your beta because if you need to add content based on your alpha's opinion, that material Point. won't be beta. If you treat your beta like the final edit coming into your project, you don't want to put your mm-hmm. alpha after that because what if she tells you you've got a big old she he or she tells you you got a big old fucking plot hole and it takes you twenty k to fix it? Well, suddenly you've got twenty k that that hasn't been baited and your deadline's coming up and you're screwed. Yeah, and I have a nasty tendency to stick questions in <laughs> in the, in the, the comments. Um. Beta's working style. Um, mine is mine's a, a a really big blend of in some cases line editing um, and comma comma wrangler and um, continuity because I'll I'll do all of them and it kind of helps that I've been lucky enough that Kira will let me read sometimes in progress. And so I will ask questions all along the way. And if a question isn't answered previously, there'll be, like I said, questions left in um, in my beta trying to get an, um, an answer. And I've actually gone back, and, and I don't know, I don't think you've ever seen them, where I've actually ripped out the questions that I put in because I've gotten the answers later in the, in the test. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't see the, yeah. the part where you that you delete, but you've told me in the mm-hmm. past that, oh, there's the answer that I was looking for. But yeah. Kyla, when you're coming into the beta process, you need to ask them, what are your strengths? What what can I expect from you? Um, do you do line edits? Are you more um, continuity um, content? Are you really good with canon material? Just you need to know what what, what they have to offer as a beta. Um but as far as their style goes, you're not going to know till you get it back. Um, and if you, what I would say, what I would say, it take it, it take it so much to heart. Do not ever beta personally. And I know that is difficult. Uh, in having been um, edited professionally by some of the cruelest people who've ever walked the planet, I have to tell you. But the more personal you take an edit, the more miserable you will be. So if you look at a beta as an objective opinion and that nothing they are saying to you is a personal reflection on you, and they're not criticizing you, they are pointing out problems in your narrative, and that's not you personally. They're, they're not poking you. They're poking your words. And your ability to separate yourself from that is super important. But what I would say about the quantum bang, and we're coming up on, let me get my calendar out. 
because I don't know the dates because I am terrible. Okay, we just had our <laughs> second check-in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And then we have another check-in check in February. And then we also have artist sign-ups starting and ending in February. Um, and our Quantum Bang Rough Draft is due on March 15th. And then, did you just go eek? I did. (laughs) Professionals don't eek. (laughs) I eek. You're not, you're you're a damn professional. There's no eeking. Anyways, um, and our deadline (laughs) for the final, there's no eeking in writing either. Um, <laughs> our final draft is due May 28th. So, um, you can have a beta done between your your rough draft posting and your final draft posting. Is, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, um, would get very agitated if I was still in beta at that point. <laughs> That's just me and how I function. So you need to know how you'll function in that kind of um, environment and if you can deal with um, I figure I'm going to be incredibly amused my my level of amusement with you is probably going to go through the roof the last four months of QB dude I am so excited about my story you guys I feel like that you're going to love it or hate it and there's going to be no in between. <laughs> I adore it, but I, I'm biased. But you know, still, you know, um, you're supposed to adore my, it. My, you're my BFF, F, 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 F. <laughs> Yes, I know. And the thing is, is I, my amusement is partially because you know, hey, fabulous story, guys. And yes, I know I'm being a cocky. Deal with it. Um, but <laughs> there's also I get to watch you squirm for the next, you know. I, I I I don't know why I agreed to sign up for a secret thing. I don't know. I don't know why I was thinking. Um, and then and it, then it I decided different. that I should not only not talk about it even after the art claim, but that I should get posted last. Yeah. It's like I needed further demonstration of my personal masochism. There you go. <laughs> yeah. My my amusement level is epic. <laughs> so, but no, I am super thrilled with my story, and I I I I do feel like you will either love it or hate it, and and there won't be an in between. Um, and I think the pairing. Um, could be a little polarizing, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that the large majority of my readers are going to love it, and they're going to be some going, "Holy, what? What? What'd you do? Oh my God, really? Okay, I'm going to click on this because I trust you. But what the fuck, hero? What the fuck? So yeah, I expect that. I expect a lot of what the. Fuck. Oh yeah, I expect a lot of that too, and I'm I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. But yeah, I, I I think you're all really going to enjoy it. Um uh so so 
So yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I did not um, sign up to be um, devious or, or um, opaque in what I was doing. Did I have I even talked about mine? No, you've been very good. Yeah, I have. I, I have been good. It's really weird. Yeah, but I'm thirty k in. I noticed. You know, I'm really excited. Well, you've already you've already pet this particular adorable puppy, Azure. So, anyways, um, yes, it's Slash, and uh, so there is that. So I do have a I do have a section of my readers who only read head who will not be thrilled with my mm-hmm. bang for that particular reason alone, and I don't care. Um, but the pairing is is new. And um, but anyways, I'm just I'm really excited. I, I fell in love with my mm-hmm. character. Um, I have a new unicorn. Um, the unicorn is a very favorite. nice unicorn. Yeah, I, I've added a, a a female unicorn to my to my stable, and I'm 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 very happy. Um, I'm I'm quite mm. I'm quite thrilled. Yeah, um, I could do a whole story on her. I could just the whole thing just from the start <laughs> oh i know exactly that i know the unicorn okay yeah, uh, yeah. brain fart <laughs> but yeah i'm just i'm i'm super thrilled with, with the whole thing and um mm-hmm. there's there's something really awesome um as a writer about writing something um that when you get finished with it you're just like hell yeah <laughs> Look what I did. You were you were jazzed for days. <laughs> I was. I was. And I'm not teased because you're gonna get to read it in May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that day gets closer every day. Um Yes it does. And uh it's it's just it's it's exciting and a little bit different than what I've written in the past and um um uh, a little <laughs> lots. That's not why. <laughs> The, I guess one thing that I I, I want to um, say about this and you know you, relating back to the whole beta thing, um, if you are, and I know this is this sounds really bizarre, but Kira decided to be opaque on on what she was doing, what her 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 um, story was, who her her. Um, you know, her couple was, you know, the the whole thing. When she decided to do that, that meant I was too. You know, not <laughs> not with my story, because I'll, I'll talk about it. I don't care. But with her well, story. Well, no, you can't, okay, but you can't talk about your story, because we can't talk about our story all until the art claims. Damn it, Jim. Damn it, Jim. <laughs> Yes. So after the art claim, you can discuss your because then because you don't want to go to the art claim with people trying to guess your story, and then it's it's not fair, you know. So the the art claim has to be entirely anonymous, um, and so. <sighs> Fine. So that's why. But, I, but um. I don't honestly think that even if I said my fandom that I would stand out in the art claim, but 
Yeah, you I want, want to, make to be fair. I want to be as fair as possible. Well, I think there are a lot of people riding in that fandom, is, is, is what I'm saying. Point. Well, just to say the fandom, I don't think it'd be enough. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, one of the things I did, and which is ridiculously working, is that Comic Sans thing. I know, right? It it didn't make any sense that that should work, but it's like a little brain brain trick. Yes. And ridiculously, it's working. The trick and is. Having a hard time writing, change the font of your work in progress to Comic Sans. And I know that seems ridiculous. It did. It seems you know, absolutely ridiculous. And, and it's like, I, how how is this supposed to do anything? I routinely bounce between three different fonts, none of which were Comic Sans. Um, and you know, you want me to change it to this one? Oh. Okay, fine. And did it, and it's like, huh? Did and it? Then put my and hands on it. Strongly and... loyal. <laughs> Can I put in a request for small magics? <laughs> I am actually precariously close to finishing small magic. I just having them. Um, yes. I just big giant battle. I have to write, and I don't know how to write a big giant, giant battle. Have you actually watched the big giant battle? No, and I'm not gonna. What? I'm not bitter or anything. I'm not. I'm still not watching it. I'm not doing it. I watched the the death scene on YouTube. Um, I know. And I, I, was, I, was, the... I, I, I couldn't. No. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is, is that writing all of that um, carnage. Itself isn't difficult. Obviously, I had no problems killing characters. You might have noticed from Doctor Lowell. Um, you but, you were very gleeful about the, some of those deaths. Don't even. I I did. I I really enjoyed myself. Um, but I stuck at action. <laughs> so um, it's a thing. So why don't you go and look at the behind the scenes stuff? Because I'm pretty sure you've got the DVDs, and you can look at how. Weirdly, how Jackson did it, because it might give you some idea of how to plan out what you want. Even if you don't use what he did. Okay? Maybe. Even if you don't use what the book did, because, you know, Tolkien was a fucker. Um, you know, you, you can still look at it and say, okay, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you get an idea of the lay of the land, because, you know, it, it's a real, it, the visuals are good. Well, the thing okay. is, is that magic has changed the landscape of of the battle, um, and yeah. incorporating um, the Elven army, um, the magical uh-huh. users from Earth, um, Harry and Hermione, um, and just, and I'm also torn between who I want to write the battles. Um, I have actually, in Small Magic, um, written primarily from Harry or Thorin's point of view with a smattering of Hermione and Bilbo. But mostly it's mm-hmm. Harry and Thorin. So as, as I'm moving into the Battle of the Five Armies, um, 
I'm I'm having to think about uh, the POV that I want to use. Um, I think that part of me wants to use Thorne's point of view um, because it's a turning point for him as king, um, the defense of his mountain um, and the death of the Impaler. Um, the Azog mm-hmm. or Azog? Azog? Um, Azog the Impaler. Azog, yeah, Azog the Impaler. Azog. Okay, so it's the death of him. Um, and then there's the sun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which probably well, be Legolas, will probably be Legolas' kill. Um, well, it was in the, in the movie. It was in the movie? Um, yep. And I, it, there's a scene that I've added in Small Magic that will make that particular death really powerful. Um, but awesome. anyways... <clears throat> Um, what, uh, so there's a POV question there, and, um, POV is so powerful, and when you're thinking about a scene like the Battle of the Five Armies, um, the, the point of view is extremely powerful when you think about, especially in the original content, when, when Thorin Mm -hmm. is, um, comes face to face with the death of both of his nephews, um, and his own death, and it's uh, it's very powerful storytelling, and I'm not going to be killing any of them because no, <laughs> that was no, a bad of course dream pretty to die. <laughs> but I, but going into it, I feel like. Well, really, honestly, um, not Harry's fight. So I think it has to be done from Thorne's point of view, the more I think about it. Um, then I have the okay. whole thing with Sauron coming in behind that. Um, uh, Which so, could be from Harry's point of view. Right, and that confrontation will be immense. Uh Yeah. And has to, and and has the potential to reshape the landscape, given the powers of both both men. Um, <laughs> Liz has a comment that um, on Facebook, the post with writing goals, most of the people wrote about finishing works in progress. Any tips for that? Uh, finishing that is. Like, is it something that when you finally get back into the swing of uh, doing it, it gets easier each time you do it, or will it be a struggle most of the time? I move around from work in progress to work in progress. You you guys might have noticed. Um, It took me three Mm -hmm. years to finish um, Darkly Loyal, and I don't know why. Because when I came out of that last Mulligan event where I had um, evened it all out and – I really literally only had three chapters left. I don't know why I had to pay to finish it. Because when I sat down and I changed the font, and I was like, well, fuck this. I had, I, I picked up my plot, and the next thing I know, I was done. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> that was nothing. <laughs> but then there are other times when I'm looking at Small Magic, which I've been working on on and off for a year. Um, and, uh, or, well, not, not, actually, not quite a year. Um, and I'm kind of stymied on this this whole battle thing because I have this mental block for action scenes that's entirely my doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you write decent action. 
Um, the thing for me is I've got a lot of work in progress, and that's one of the reasons why I decided that for 2019 I wasn't going to join any of the challenges because I've got this low-level itch at this point to actually finish a whole bunch of stuff. So my goals at the moment are to finish my, uh, my QB, uh, Quantum Bang, and then basically open up the oldest thing I've got and start reading it again and see if I can put some progress on any of them. Um, the one that I really, truly want to finish the most is uh, Beautiful and Dangerous Things. Yay! Yeah, because we've got, I mean, I, I handed you the, the stuff that I figured out for, the, end, or for the, the last little bit, and you didn't say anything back to me that said no, so I figured that was good with you. So I'll find that particular document again and finish it, I hope. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. It'll be yeah. great. And um, then I'll hand it to you and say, please beta this, because you were the person who did the other work on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I probably wrote half of it, probably. You did. And so, it, it um, started out as dare. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, what I would say about works in progress is that some of them come easily and some of them don't. And what I do, and I don't torture myself. If something's not working, I put it aside and I think about it a little while. Um, and I think of something else. So when you're looking through your works in progress, you know, open them up, check them out, read them, see how it feels. Um, see if you can write on it. Try to do a little bit of writing. And if it doesn't work, close it <coughs> and pick up something else. Mm-hmm. Don't try to force yourself to, to work on something because you'll just make yourself hate the work. The thing for me is, is I, I've been wanting to do this for a while with my works in progress. Um, some stuff may get taken down off my site um, while I sit there and redo everything. Okay, because I haven't hit the end yet on a couple things, and until I hit the end, it's open season. I don't recommend you remove anything from your site until you're ready to put it back up and it's completely. Oh no, I, I mean that's what I. Well, no, it's it's not <laughs> going to get removed and and you know um you know never to to be read until I finish it type thing. But no, it'll be basically um if I if I do it right between. <laughs> One night, there'll be a new version of it all coming up, okay? And, you know, uh, the old pages may disappear with all the old stuff on it because I've redone everything so much. So we'll see well, how that goes. We'll talk about that privately because you don't want to delete all your comments. Um, you can just delete well, all well, the we'll content on the page. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll it. figure it out. I like my comments. They're they're nice, and I'll pet them and you know love them and call them George. But I'm I'm currently being climbed upon by my cat. <laughs> my cat. He's curling up I, on my shoulder. You know, 
Acester says he hadn't had time to write in six months, and he's afraid to look at his work in progress folder. Don't be afraid of your own words. Those are yours. They belong to you. You're the boss. Mm-hmm. Those are your bitches. Get your bitches in line. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously though, seriously, don't. Um, you are the you're the king of your castle. And your castle you've been watching with... that. You've been what? watching that one guy at, on on his his cooking show, right? I have not. How dare you accuse me of such? I've actually been binge watching um, Midsummer Murders. I regret nothing. Um, I have used Scrivener been... in the past. Scrivener makes me uncomfortable, and I don't know why. I'm an old lady. I, don't I prefer Microsoft Word. I, it's just, it's just me. What am I using again? I said that I'm an old lady in a previous podcast. Microsoft and, Word. Uh, I got a uh, email saying that I sound like a teenager. How could I be old? For those of you who are in my audience who who don't interact with me um, in fandom and who just listen to me on Blog Talk because I sound like a little girl, I'm actually in my forties. So I am most definitely not a little girl, you little creeps. Not nearly. <laughs> I actually like the new Barnaby. I um, I enjoy him a lot. And honestly, he's kind of attractive, and I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why he's attractive. I... There's, There's someone whose personality outshines their face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. There's just something about him that's so just genuine. I just find him very attractive, the actor. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy Midsummer Murders a lot. Although it did convince me that small towns, uh, villages in um, Britain were full of sexual deviants and murderers. I told my husband that. And he says, how's that any different than America? It's not... What? <laughs> it's not. But no, I don't write in Scrivener. Like I said, I'm an old lady. It, it, you know, honestly, I don't think it's because he's British, because there are plenty of British men on that show that I don't find attractive. Um, there's just something about the guy that plays the new Barnaby that I find really attractive. And I don't know what it is. It's weird. <laughs> it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Considering I don't watch that show. I'm I one of the weird ones. I actually don't watch TV. Um, I watch Netflix. TV pisses me off. But currently I've been watching Acorn TV, which is on the internet. I don't watch actual TV. I use my TV for my Xbox. <laughs> the husband is watching Hell's Kitchen. Everything Hell's, you know, with, with Gordon Ramsay. And it's like... Oh, and and kitchen nightmare apparently. I just got that shouted at me. Oh, I think you totally should give John Barnaby a second chance. Um, I think that midway through the second, the, the first season that he was on, um, once he got comfortable um, with Midsummer, uh, it got it just it got really good. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there was a little learning curve for him, you know, to to get comfortable in the lead role. Um, but I love his wife, and I love the dog, 
and um, it's just it's great. Totally great. Okay, okay, now I now I'm curious. What the hell am I looking at? And search Google. Eh? Okay. I can't explain it. No, I'm pretty sure I can't either. That's what it is. There's no rhyme or reason to that. I mean, you look at Tom Hilton and you think, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I get that. But that dude, uh-huh. no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't is know this like Lestrade? It could be like Lestrade. Or it could be kind of like how, for some reason, beyond my control, I find Oliver Platt attractive. He's got a beautiful personality. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's it. Oh, there's just something really, you know... I would have wanted to mate with him too. That, that's all I'm saying. I understand why yeah. she wanted to mate with him. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, he's. I'm looking looking at a picture of him. For for all the fact that he can play, you know, somebody who is. Um, a curmudgeon, he seems to be pretty um, sweet, you know, and and uh, seems like a nice guy. Just my favorite movie with him is probably Forever and Always going to be Three Musketeers. I like the Midsummer Murders because it's um, there's this. Uh, very cozy mystery kind of situation. But then on top of the cozy mystery situation, you've got sexual deviance <laughs> and freaky ass. You need to like, oh, shit. There's <laughs> an AMDB thing, by the way. Folks, there's 20-something. There's 20 seasons? Yeah. yeah. 20 seasons. You are welcome. Anyway, I also watched Vera on Acorn. I love Vera. Um, she's terrible, but I love her. I was in love the first episode when she had her her detective dump her father's ashes for her because she couldn't be bothered. I was like, yep, that's my kind of person right there. <laughs> she sat in the car oh. while she took a ferry ride to dump her father's ashes. That is amazing. Have you, speaking of, of ashes and horrific things and, and sexual deviancy, have you seen the thing where you can um, get a vibrating dildo that you can put the ashes of your loved one in? Yes, and that is a level of fucked up that I doesn't surprise me at all. I'm not remotely surprised by that. <laughs> oh, my God. Nope. I I, I I saw that and I just no God. It's like studio necrophilia. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's really no different than those dudes that have their wives take really really cold showers and then have sex with them. Yuck. <laughs> I never should have found that for everybody. Oh, God. 
I'm the reason we all, we all know way too much about those damn things. Uh, no, actually, it was a generic one, Ellie. It looked like a, just a, a regular um, standard slightly hooked vibrator thing. Huh. Yeah. There's apparently yeah, a new pleasure device for women that sucks the clit. Is it, why? Um, why not? <laughs> okay. If you can't get somebody to do it, <laughs> you get you a Point. device <laughs> that will do it. Yeah, but the thing is, is then you got to figure, well, I would hope by then you figured out where yours is, but, you know, then there's the, the maneuvering it in the place, and yeah, that's a lot of effort. Okay. You guys have any writing <sighs> questions? We, we, we probably could do some writing questions. <laughs> so we don't talk about weird sex toys. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> True, Ellie, anything worthwhile is worth the time, but still. I, uh... Um. So I, you know, I have a couple of works in progress that I that I want to work on mm-hmm. until April or until my arm is in a sling, and then I'll be over here frustrated right. using my left hand to mouse around the internet. <laughs> Should we get you a left-handed mouse? <laughs> we need to find you a left-handed I, mouse. I think my mouse will actually be con- convertible to a left-handed. Might want to yeah. check that before we get too far in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm not really on board with left-handed use. I don't know how I feel about it. We'll see. Um, so I have Revenant. Um, I also Mm -hmm. was reading through Synthetic, and I'm even more convinced that I wrote characters that I slapped fandom names on than that actually wrote fandom characters. And I'm kind of ashamed of myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) because... I am actually normally really good, I think, about my characterization when it comes to John and Rodney, but I, it is obvious that they're not John and Rodney. I don't even know what I was doing. It was just I had some kind of brain. Um, you got you fell in love with the, the concept and, and stopped paying attention to the actual um, to the names. I had some shoehorning as well. I was, I was shoehorning those characters into that. I was I might as yeah, well have been trying to shove both of them into a corset with my foot. <laughs> mm, okay. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't either, hon. Oh, Jesus, yes. How do you feel out a person who is on a show, not that much is known, and still have them be canon? I don't think you can. 
I think that if you have a character, take for instance a character like Evan Lorne, who had very little mm-hmm. screen time, or a character like Antelli, who had very, very, very little screen time on Stargate, that it becomes extremely difficult to perish. Um, Chuck, who basically was appeared in a lot of episodes, but we we, we know nothing about them, um, about him. Um, and so these these, these characters, um, because they don't have a lot of information uh, about them, you can really fill them out and make them your own. It's like I kind of feel like Patrick Shepard is my character <laughs> because he oh, yeah. never even on screen in Stargate. Um, the only time, I mean, we, we, there, there's a coffin. We assume he's in it. <laughs> That's it, right? So mm-hmm. when I wrote Patrick, I was trying to figure out, when I brought him into what might have been, my goal was to create a situation where it was realistic that John did what he did, but to also give them some kind of foundation to come back together um, and be a family. And so I had to figure out, uh, and really what it boils down to in in what might have been is that John and Patrick are a great deal alike. And they're very used to um, they're very used to getting their own ways. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. And so uh and that caused a great deal of conflict. So if you I think that instead of trying to be true to the minimal amount of canon you're given you need to be true to your own characterization. Treat this character, like, for instance, like Claudia Stolinsky, who has basically zero, um, she's a blank page in um, Teen Wolf. Um, mm-hmm. Treat her like an original character. Put her together like you would in OC. Give her a background. Give her her own voice. And then stay consistent to your own characterization. Yeah. Um, another another good example of this with um, a character who we basically have a split personality on is Elizabeth Weir. We have a lot of canon on um, one version of Elizabeth Weir and very little canon on another. Okay. And... Tori Higgins' um, Elizabeth Weir is the one we have all the, the canon on. And I cannot remember the blonde's name. Uh, um, Jessica Steen. Jessica Steen. Her Elizabeth Weir is much more, she's more of a ball buster. She's dynamic. She's strong. She's not a mom. Yes. But Tori Higgins yes. played Elizabeth like a mom, and it was very off-putting to me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have those two separate Elizabeths. Well, actually, we have a third one, technically, because we have the replicator Elizabeth. But, you know, you oh, have... actually, we have four. We have replicator Elizabeth, we have old Elizabeth, we have the first Elizabeth, and then we have the Elizabeth we got in, in Antarctica. <laughs> yes. Five? Four. I don't know. I, and we have a lot of Elizabeths. Yeah. And... But... 
I prefer Jessica Steen's portrayal of Elizabeth, who's strong and capable, a little, a lot mercenary, um, versus mm-hmm. Elizabeth Weir, which is versus. Tori Higginson, who was very maternal and um, very uh, um, unprofessional and disrespectful in her interactions. Uh, it was just bad writing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we can blame the actors, is, but it's just bad writing. Right. And honestly, you know, Tori Higgins, um, Elizabeth is the one I used when I need to have an Elizabeth go batshit. Because there's so many... Um, so many ways that, that she can do it. All it takes is a little bit of pressure point and, you know, off she goes. So it's, um, <sighs> how do you reconcile characters that have multiple versions, even within canon? Pick the one you like the best. Yes. Because technically there's two different versions of Rodney as well. Or, you know, honestly, or pick the one that best serves your plot. Do you need a batshit weir? Then you need Tori Higginson. If you want a strong, capable, kick-ass weir who will walk through the gate in a pair of leather pants, you want Jessica Steen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Um, you know, uh, do you want a um, slightly mad scientist, uh, you know, um, doctor? Well, then you have, you know, um, Carson Beckett when he's, you know, making Michael. Um, or do you want somebody with ethics and, you know, who will do anything and everything for his, um, for his patient? Well, then, you know, hey, there's the, the uh, Carson Beckett from the Erratus mess at least initially. There's so many different things. But it really, you know, you can um, pick and choose um, what kind of... um, uh, You can twist your characters. I think that um, one of the mistakes in fan fiction is that they often you give your you you give your characters new circumstances, but your characters don't grow into them because you're trying to keep them concrete in their canon portrayal, and that's a failing that happens in a lot of genre shows like NCIS, um, where you see Abby actually regress and get less mature as the seasons went on instead of growing the fuck up. Mhm. Yeah, she desperately needed to grow the fuck up. Well, Jace, I think if you look at the characterization of say Tony Dinozo in NCIS, um, there are moments when he is supremely competent and thoughtful and careful, and then there are moments when he's ridiculous and sexist and an asshole. And I think that as a writer, you need to pick the characteristics, the characteristics that work for you and for your story, and keep them consistent. Um, and there comes a point when you just have to say fuck canon, because it doesn't always serve your story. I don't hear any beeping, Jeep, so if there's beeping on your phone, it's probably your phone. Uh, just really just focus on consistency and don't worry so much 
about what the um, what the writers in your canon show are doing to your character. Because um, once you put him down on paper, he's yours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not legally, mind you, um, but just um, keep your um, keep your internal consistency because that is more important to your story than anything else. The most jarring thing you can do as a writer is um, be inconsistent in your own characterization. You know what might make it easier in some ways is to go find the um, Dungeons and Dragons character sheets or something similar. And, you know, you've got whoever your your um, your version of Elizabeth is, just to use her as the, the, um, the example. So you've got Jessica Steen's uh, picture of Elizabeth. And then you've got all the characteristics you want of that Elizabeth. And you lay it out. And that's what you refer back to when it comes to, you know, writing your Elizabeth. Um, does it get easier? Yeah. You know, um, you learn to, to separate your, your characters. But it's also incredibly easy to write certain certain people certain ways. Um, I found it really easy to write a batshit weird. Probably too easy. It's a lot of fun. I think it's my default, actually. So, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Athena has a point. Canon isn't always consistent with itself. So don't worship it too hard. This is very true. You know, it's... Um... Also, you have to keep in mind that there's a stable of writers often that write these shows, and they come into the uh, the room with an idea for a story, and then they cram their characters into it. Especially when it comes to stories mm-hmm. that, uh, TV series that don't have an overall arc. Um, you know what? I think that honestly, if you wanted to see a masterclass of how you should write a TV show and how, how you should have characters move and evolve in a story, you should watch Babylon 5. That's what I thought you were going to say. Um, because masterclass. It's a masterclass in storytelling mm-hmm and in character development and world building, universe building, really. I mean, just amazing. I I recommend that any writer watch Babylon 5. Watch the movies, watch the show, and you will see it unfold like a big giant book, and it is amazing. I think that that the, the production values don't hold up too well, but don't focus on that. Think about mm-hmm. just focus on the story itself, and and it will yeah. It's because it will it will teach you a lot about how you should structure your story, um, because he told us a story. He told us an epic. But what I'm saying yeah. is, is he didn't tell us a whole bunch of little stories. He told us 
a story that took place over mm-hmm. five seasons of television and four movies. He told us a story, yeah. and it was encompassing and beautiful and complicated and tragic and lovely and scary and moving and all these things are out into one big thing and well yeah he he did know how it was going to end before it ever started that was Mm -hmm. the point So, yeah, it's amazing. It's awesome. I highly recommend that you watch um, Babylon 5, just for the mechanics. It's a great story, too. But um, Mm -hmm. it's really a master class in in world building and character building and character um, evolution is amazing. The character of Delin will blow your mind. She goes through such an amazing um, metamorphosis throughout throughout that series that it is it is mind blowing. Well, it, both literal and physical. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, literal, overall, physical, and, and emotional. Oh yeah, yeah. Marcus broke my heart. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah. am I the only one that waved with him? Because I waved. I enjoyed Babylon Five. Um, no, it, it's Sissy definitely did not a, make. Sissy did not make Babylon Five. No. Um, Babylon Five was on TNT. Mhm. It was beautiful, and I think it was also true to his character. It's in syndication on Siffy. Don't watch it in syndication because they cut shit out of it to make room for commercials. Best thing you can do I is probably just to go and on five fan waved. Even when I say it, I wave my fingers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just saying. But anyway, Babylon Five is actually on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it. <clears throat> But yeah, it's good stuff, and it's um it's very good storytelling, and um the mechanics just uh yeah just across the board it, it is a very good experience to have. I actually did not watch Babylon Five when it was on TV. I watched it in order with my husband. My husband put it in chronological order for me, so I watched them, the TV show and the movies, in the way they should be watched, in timeline mm-hmm. order. So I had a beautiful experience. <laughs> Yeah, I watched it in chunks um, because I was watching it, you know, at the time, and and I lost track of things, and it's like, what am I watching? And oh my, what did I just see that? And yeah, that was a. We look. We look at the character of Rodney in Stargate. Uh, When we first meet Mm -hmm. Stargate, Rodney in Stargate, he's arrogant. And um, uh, he's a dick. He's a dick, but he's got a great because when I found out that he was going to be on Atlantis, I was like, "Yes, I'm so excited!" <laughs> <laughs> he's such a terrible dick. I can't wait. But then they kind of, but then because 
Um, and this is actually the, I think, really that Rodney is the only character this happened with, and I'm not sure if it's because the actor pushed for it or if it was just um, the actor making the best of his situation and, you know, kind of pushing it into the scripts, is that Rodney had a definite progression, and he, and he grew and changed throughout the series. I think it's a combination of, of he managed to get it in under the writers um, and also they didn't have much choice because for all the fact that, that there was a great deal of military um, focus, the science was what Atlantis was mostly about. So who are they going to grow? David Hill is very talented. He's a very talented actor. Yes. Um, and he did an excellent job with McKay. And I just, it was just, it was amazing. It was awesome. I, I really enjoyed the arc for, for mm-hmm. Rodney. Because he's a dick, and he's um, he's a complainer, and um, he doesn't want to do this, he doesn't want to do that, and he wants to do this. And, you know, he's, he's, he's just insufferable. But then he's also brave and um, and just, you know, it's great. Sacrificing. Yeah. He he made a character human, okay, um, and so that was pretty cool. Yeah, Capricious, you're right. The fans did love him. I mean, he he was legitimately one of my favorite characters on the show, you know. And part of it was because he was, in a lot of ways, me looking at this thing, going, "You want me to do what again?" I think that um, that the Trinity episode was damaging for the character of Weir specifically, um, and a lot of fans mm-hmm. turned on her because she was mean to McKay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he mean to Rodney. <laughs> he was just doing uh-huh. his job. <laughs> You're all dick. Uh-huh. 3,000 fans later, she gets booted off the show. 3,000? Well, 300,000. Oh, God. Um, The shrine? He was so Mm. good in that. Oh, my God. He was so good in that episode. It was stunning. And when he was crying for John, I cried. I was like, oh, my God, John, where are you? (laughs) Stop making Roddy look for you. (laughs) Uh huh. Yes, Dumad, he is one of our unicorns. Yes. Grace under pressure. I was like, you better get there in time, Shepherd. <laughs> come on, man, come on. Water's getting high. Come on. Move a little faster. The shrine was good. And then they ruined it for yeah. me in the last three minutes. But we don't talk about that. Oh yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I do think the internal consistency in your characters is the most important thing to keep in mind when you're writing, whether you're writing um, fan fiction characters or original characters. Um, 
there comes a point when you have to own the character and you have to own their actions and own the words that you're giving them. Um, and um, that in doing that, you create consistency. I think that the evolution of John and Rodney's relationship in um, in Stargate Atlantis boiled down to the fact that the actors were a little more in to the mixed Shep idea than the writers were. <laughs> Just a hair. Just a... I'm of the opinion that Joe Flanagan played the last season of it like he was the dumped boyfriend. <laughs> Sounds about right. Or his ex-wife. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. then, you know, they would go along and they would do an episode like The Last Man where Rodney sacrificed his whole life to save Shepard. Yes. And then, you know, it's like they they really honestly couldn't get away from that um, character-actor chemistry that was there. And so... Uh, in the end, it, 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 it always came back around, and I think that if the show had lasted, that um, that McKay's relationship with 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 Keller would have fall would would have had to have fallen apart for it to be remotely realistic. <clears throat> that nerd fantasy wouldn't have lasted. No, it's, as as much as she would have tried to to shore it up, I can't see it. I can't see it lasting long distance or a long term because what level of compatibility was there? None. No. Well, absolutely, the last three minutes of the Children of the Earth didn't happen. That was a that was a mass hallucination. Oh, yeah. we all got tortured with. I think Keller actually loves the the Rodney she thinks he can be versus the Rodney he actually is. And I think women as a whole kind of fall into that trap, especially when they're young, that they see a man and they think, oh, well, I can make him better. But I recently posted a quote from Julia Roberts on Facebook that said women are not rehabilitation centers for badly raised men. Um, mm-hmm. So... You know, ladies, don't look at a man and say to yourself, I-, I could lock him if I changed him. If you can't lock him the way he is, move on. You don't have time for that shit. <laughs> for me, the start of the relationship, when I saw that happening, I thought, oh, my God, is she after his money or is she trusts? <laughs> I thought for sure she was going to trust the plan. It might a combination of both. find out she was a spy <laughs> or that she was NID or something. Yeah, I, it would not actually surprise me if she was both. By the way, himself would love to say hi, but I told him not to, and he keeps coming by and pretending like he wants to say hi. Now he's walking off with his his shoulders slumped. (laughs) I do have 
the headache. I this is my third headache of the week. I, I, I guess I'm in a cluster. It's really annoying, and I thought, why is this happening? Because I have been having really good luck lately, and then I realized that I had not. I have a pill organizer, and I had not put my vitamin B12 in my pill organizer for like two weeks. <laughs> and that's why I'm having super super headache for the third day in a row. Um, so yeah, I took some vitamin B12 today. But when I first started taking it, it took about three weeks for it to kind of get in and really, you know, even me out. Um, but it's been really beneficial. And no, yeah, apparently, off the internet, I actually went to see a doctor about it, and they recommended it because I was deficient. I'm also deficient in iron and in vitamin D and. Yeah, that was it. B, iron, and vitamin D. I have never actually watched all the episode, um, the brainstorm. I've I've never watched all of it. It was so infuriating that I turned it off. (laughs) I have never managed to get through the whole thing. I had to read a summary of it on Stargate Wiki (laughs) because I just couldn't do it. It was so infuriating. I was, no, no, dog. That's a no for me. (laughs) Nope. Uh, it, I don't even think I got through the 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 you know um, the script version of that particular episode without having issues because she's a kid and and she's she's young and she's she's got so much to learn and that bothers me. Are all your um, pots and pans cast iron? I do have cast iron. I also um, use stainless steel in my cooking, but I do have cast iron pans. Um, But my body does not absorb iron from my food, which is why I have to get it in an IV bag. It, I um, get and iron supplements don't help me either. Good question. Uh, forgive me for for asking this so bluntly, but do you have a reflection? Do I have a what? A reflection. reflection. I do have a reflection, and lately it is reflecting a very cute ass haircut I got. <laughs> I, I I saw mention of that haircut, yes, but I'm just double checking because you know low low blood iron level here, and you know. Wondering if you're fading into a vampire. So, I Bill Nye episode. Good Google. I enjoy Bill Nye. Um, it's unfortunate I didn't get to the part where he was actually in the show because I could could not watch the show. I could not watch, and I was I was like I can't. And also. Who dressing that that girl decided those boots and that dress were a good idea? I sparkle all the time. Fucking magical over here. Uh, I'm not a sparkly vampire. I think if I could be uh, any fantasy animal... 
I would I would want to be um, a dragon shifter. I'm all for being for for a uh, dragon shifter. A dragon shifter, yeah. Um, you never have to worry about you know having trying to find a uh, uh, a match for your candles. You can always just you know low gently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to go see a. I have my own doctor. I have a. Um, I have a. Um, um, a hematologist, I do, and I have a dermatologist and a rheumatologist and an endocrinologist and um, a gastroenterologist and a podiatrist. You just all sorts of ologists, aren't you? And then I have a regular GP. Yeah, my doctor's list in my phone is as long as my family's list. <laughs> of course, I don't have all my cousins in my phone. I don't like those assholes. Um, so, shit, shit, right back at you. Um, but uh, yeah, <clears throat> Hobbit. <laughs> Hobbits are really short. I'm already short. I'd like to be impressive. <laughs> I'd like to be a dragon um, or a T-Rex. Well, you know. <laughs> no, because then, you're, then you've got little, you've got little into the piano. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. I was wearing a sweater earlier that had a hood on it, and my husband put it up, and he said, "Now you look like a proper a, a proper Sith Lord." And I laughed, and he said, "Most people would be insulted." I said, "Now let's be honest. If I had superpowers, I would definitely be a villain." <laughs> <laughs> yes. I said, yes, indeed. Y'all be lucky if I wasn't just if if I was just Deadpool level. <laughs> that would be lucky. <laughs> well, look, you know, if I had the ability to to reach out and you know manipulate matter or or move something, do you really think that in some cases I'm not going to reach out and, and pinch somebody's ass or or you know pat them on the butt or or you know um, do something that's going to be horrible so that way I can get a, a laugh out of the whole process. So what no. you're saying is superpowers you'd sexually harass strangers. <laughs> Some of them, yes. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. I do well, already have again, Then again, you know, I, the person who's asked, I'd probably be patting and, and teasing most of the time with my husband. So, you know. Okay. Well, at least you have standards. Um, I, I do. Mm. See, DeMab would still Hello? love me if I was this Lord. I'm just saying that there are certain people we would all be better off without. You know, a pebble at the right time to help trip and, and you know, have people take a header down the, the the correct set of stairs, everything is wonderful. Just saying. Just Some saying. people need to take a pass on the living for the for the good of the rest of us. Um uh-huh. but <laughs> a lot less full. I just, you know, some people need to be spaced. Let's just be honest. There are some shitty people my, on this planet. Yes. <laughs> One of my favorite lines for you for, from you is where, um, you know, 
I think he said something about keelhauled or spaced or something. And it was the, the one where, um, you know, don't ask, don't tell is, is repealed and, and we, um, um, tellers a twit. Yeah, human nature. You know? Yeah, human nature. Because that was just, that was just awesome. If you fail to be forward-thinking individuals, I will space you mm-hmm. and report you AWOL. <laughs> yes, and everybody's going, space? Why not have it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got space games. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it worked. I loved it. I thought it was fabulous. My favorite lines, actually, that I've ever written. It was, it was really amusing. When I wrote it, I giggled. I was like, ha. Ah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you're writing, you'll write something, you'll, be like, <laughs> you'll get so tickled, you won't be able to do anything else. That's not the speech we prepared. No, it was not the speech we prepared. <laughs> That's not what we discussed. That's not exactly what we discussed, Colonel. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. Don't get ideas. They have orders. <laughs> This is very true, actually. It's, it's very true. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, human nature um, is one of, was one of my favorite stories to write. Um, my, my favorite part of the whole story is actually O'Neill's trash talk with his eyebrow, his eyebrow trash, trash talk. I I like your meals, pretty much all of them, no matter you know who he's with, and I like him because. You never write him as being he he's always he's always a commanding man he's he's got personality and he's not written as a clown okay and to me that's pretty damn cool I don't understand and, why somebody would want to write him that way um, to write him to be a mixture of the O'Neill in the movie and the O'Neill on the show. Mm-hmm. The there were times that you know the the O'Neill on the show was very definitely a clown. I mean, no doubt about it. But he also had times where he was just as hard ass and just as commanding and just as military as Kurt Russell's character. Yeah. The, the, his betrayal of portrayal of, of Jack. Yeah. And one of the, the lines that always amuses me was um, Richard Dean Anderson apparently went to one of the, I guess, awards um, dinners or whatever for the Air Force and was talking to legitimate Air Force officers and goes, is, am I playing this guy right? You know, is, is he legit? And they're like, yeah, we got a lot of them. We like him. <laughs> He's like, what? Is that good or bad? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently there, there are versions of, you know, um, Jack O'Neill running around and, you know, yeah. 
So Clone Jack took Danny to Atlantis Wood. OG uh, Jack get mad? Ah, uh, you know, I, honestly, I don't know. I think it would depend. I do think that in canon that um, if our fandom inclination was true, that if he did have feelings for Daniel and Carter, that Mm -hmm. um, he would play it safe and pick Carter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And if that's the case, then while he might be angry about Daniel going to Atlantis with the clone version of himself, uh, it would be misplaced and inappropriate. And he'd probably recognize it, too. Yes. Yeah. He's got a fair amount of emotional maturity. (laughs) In the middle of my backswing. Yes. Um, When I tend to put clone Jack on... Um, Atlantis, I tend to give him a Daniel. You know, just I tend to write Clone Jack with um, my OC Ian. Um, it just it that, that that appeals to me. Um, I think very that, together. yeah, but also I I made that choice because I think that for his characterization, um, that it's important that. Um, to be his own person, he needs to let go of Jack O'Neill's life and, and be who he is and not Jack O'Neill. Um, I think that's just a really healthy place for him mentally to um, move beyond the fact that he's a clone and make a life for himself and not to continue to live as a copy of Jack O'Neill. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but I, I also don't tend to write him as epically in love with Daniel Jackson, like you do. Um, yeah. Because if it because if it was the reverse and it was John and Rodney, I absolutely would make sure that that John that that, that clone John got a clone Rodney. <laughs> like what? Mm-hmm. No, you make another Thor. <laughs> Come back over here. <laughs> we got a problem. We've got. A shepherd and a McKay, and we've got a shepherd and no McKay. <laughs> you need to fix yes. this. <laughs> Before we just have a shepherd and a McKay, and no more just plain old shepherd. <laughs> because at this point, shepherd is used to operating with McKay, and mm, this shepherd is suicidal and McKay is not around. So you need to put a McKay <laughs> over here. Yes, McKay's are air brakes for shepherds. <laughs> because, you know, honestly, I am really enamored with um, Jack and Patrick Shepard um, so much that um, in, the next, in the next season of Hold My Coffee, when, when John comes back to Earth, um, his dad's going to be shacking up with his CEO. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Oh, Patrick did yay. tell him he was going to get up all in it and be in charge of it by the time he got back. I just don't think John knew how he meant it. 
<laughs> I don't know if he's going to look at, at Jack and he's like, sir? Sir? I don't know how it happened. It, it, it's just, it's just he, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, Shepard. It is what it is. But, you know, um, I was thinking about of Hold My Coffee and where I want to start the second season. And I'm, 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 really, I'm really on the fence because I kind of want to start it, like, at the race stage. And then make the reader play catch up the whole time about what happened between them landing on Atlantis and them and me opening up um, the second season with the race siege. Hmm. <laughs> Silence is like, oh, Carl, no, what? <laughs> well, would we be getting a litany of the dead bodies that would have been planted? <laughs> I just think it would be interesting to to um to call it, I don't know. I don't know. Um I, I don't want to do a revamp of the first season. I I don't want to rewrite the first season. Mm-hmm. Um I get that. And I don't want to do it like I did season um the Central Sentinels of Atlantis either. Um so I don't know. Because for me, Hold My Coffee is more about the characterization than it is the events. It's more about the relationship than is um, the relationships, you know, with various, than it is the the events that are taking place around them. So, I don't know. It's It, it strikes me as a really good exploration of how um, how they are as people. You know, the events are the frames that um, helps influence how they, they react as people. I think that makes might make sense, but you know it's what was it? Um, oh, Kavanaugh didn't even make it off the um, planet. Kavanaugh yeah. didn't go to Atlantis and hold my coffee. No, he's still in Area Fifty One. No. Was, wasn't it Toby who said something about, it was one of the two of them about how, um, I think she was, she was looking at how, um, how McKay would react in case of, in case John had a problem. She already knows how John's going to react. How did McKay react? Yeah. She stuck around on the city for 10,000 years to make sure that he lived. That's how she reacted. Uh-huh. Yep, and and moved heaven and earth to prep everything out so that way he would live better. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, she went nuclear. Yeah. Mm. The thing is, is yeah. I actually have a whole subplot where um, the old the alternate version of McKay left video files, um, a kind of like a video diary. Ooh. Um, of her progression and um, Meredith finds it on the crystal that she gave her and so part of me wants to explore that but the other part of me doesn't so I don't know it would be bad it would be very emotional it would be very it would be very harsh it would be ugly a lot yeah My favorite part was the part that Daniel had a backpack. And I didn't actually have that plotted, 
But then when I thought I'll have the computer say hello to Daniel, I was like, well, shit, he has to come. He has to go. He has to be there. <laughs> yeah. And since I knew I was going to have Patrick and um, and Jack get together anyway, it is, you know, it isn't like there's a relationship there holding him. I need to reread that now. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Jack is definitely building that damn ship. <laughs> it's time to get his space monkey back. Um, and his future son-in-law. Or, or not son-in-law, uh, uh, well, yeah, son and daughter-in-law. There, there are issues. There are issues in the first season that, that will come up. You know, the the Janai, uh, the Athosians, um, Chaya. Uh, and so, oh you know, I, I look at those events and I think, do I want to write that? Do I want to rehash that? Um, I skipped Chaya and so okay. um, I just I'm, I'm not sure I want to write it. I don't know if I'd see it the same way because she would come across as very deceptive too for the Sentinels of Atlantis. Very, very. Um, and I don't know. Um, Rodney I don't was know if she'd uh, have kind of snarky and hostile with the whole Chaya thing. I think Meredith would lose her shit. John would be lucky if he wasn't planted in um, under the ship or under the, the, the city. Well, the thing uh, is, is that out. if he did react to Chaya that way, it would be manipulation. It would be mental, it would be basically mind rape. So um, yeah. I don't see Meredith reacting very well to that at all. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know how I want to um, approach it. Um and would John be susceptible to her allure, whatever it is, if he was in a relationship? Because the John in that episode was single um, and not emotionally attached to anybody, whereas the John in Hold My Coffee is, you know, basically um, that's the love of his life territory right there. True. Chaya was Zaji, and she was, um, I think she actually was the precursor we didn't know about of those damn stones from um, the the third season, or the third uh, series. I never watched Universe. I didn't either, but I I heard about them. I feel like Chaya... was an ori. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, Ellie, because in the original story with Prometheus, the reason that Prometheus fell out of hyperspace and was stealable was because they had used Nequadria to build the hyperspace engine for the Prometheus. Well, Meredith didn't let them use Nequadria. Because Meredith is part of the SGC, whereas Rodney was not part of the SGC when the Prometheus was being designed. So the Prometheus won't fall out of hyperspace, and it won't be susceptible to being stolen by Vala. But I do like Vala, 
so I do think that um, she'll uh, she'll meander in somehow. Well, she's a good foil for da- uh, for Daniel. She's also a good foil for Cameron, um, and of course, I'm a huge Farscape mm-hmm. fan. So um, yes, but it might be interesting if um, I don't know. I don't know how I'll, I'll, I'll get her on Atlantis. Um, maybe she'll stow away on the Prometheus, be a hitchhiker, a space hitching. Well, they could always make a stop, you know, um, at the last uh, the last planet out to do a bit of a listen, and she can hit you right there. Yeah. She got dumped there for whatever reason, and or Kletesh or whatever the hell her ghouls was, and, you know, um, Prometheus drops down, and she hitches a ride, and off they go. I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm um, I think that the Prometheus probably will make it to Pegasus. Um, but I don't know, I don't know. But the Daedalus isn't too far behind the Prometheus anyway. Um, no, six months. Yeah, start it with the race siege. I probably will start it with the Daedalus. So. Um, but the thing is, is if Daniel Jackson wasn't there to go on the Prometheus, Cameron would have been. True. Um, in fact, Cameron might be in the captain's, basically in the captain's chair for the Prometheus. Cool. ZPM? So, yeah. That would be actually fun if... Um, if uh, Cameron's in command of the Prometheus. (laughs) I think that Meredith would have followed him in. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been an interesting, um, an interesting six months. Very interesting six months. <laughs> and shots here. <laughs> yeah. There That's why I hate no, There would have been no meditation. <laughs> but no, Meditate I do think. on this. I do think that, um, that Meredith wouldn't have been able to help herself. And also, there's the arrogant assumption that if she's in there with him, she can help him get him. She can help get him out faster. <laughs> uh huh. Oh. You know, but I think we are all less thrilled with any. I, there's a there's a kind of a background knowledge um, in the last episode of um, Hold My Coffee, where John acknowledges that he and Meredith would not be on the same Stargate team. Huh. It would be he. I don't think that he would go into the field with her. I, I think that that would probably be, I honestly don't think he'd put her on a first contact team anyway because she's not that field ready. I mean, she just no. qualified for a weapon when they left Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that her role on Atlantis would be very similar to her role on Earth, where she um, 
would be working as the chief scientist on the city, and that she would leave and go on missions as technology was found, but she wouldn't be part of a first contact team. Of course, if that well, team came I... back and told her that they let the colonel get sucked into some kind of mirror, they probably would not want to come back. They would be like calling. So, Major, could you let Dr. McKay know that we lost the colonel in some kind of weird cave? Could you Could you come get him out, please? Thank you. <laughs> Can you inform her from you know you, you stay stay in the colonel's office and just call? Um, I just put her actually, in the right place first. I mean, you know, just so she can <laughs> calm down. I I'm pretty sure Daniel would be on um, John's team. I do too. Yeah, too. I I think so too. I would put Daniel on and, um, John's. Daniel has my my headcanon for Daniel is, is he is relatively oblivious about the stuff that doesn't interest him. But if you get his attention and it's something that's interesting, he's going to learn the shit out of it. Which is why he knows how to, you know, fly the Prometheus. Okay. You learn the shit um, out of it. Or yeah. Or why he know he knows how to fly a teltac, you know. I think um, that I would if, probably see Teldy and Bouchard and John would all have their own teams. I think that I would probably put um, Taylor on John's team, mm-hmm. and then Daniel. Yeah. Because for all the fact that Daniel is nominally a civilian, he's he's no civilian. So, but I think that um, if I started it with the race siege, I could kind of allude to past events and kind of smooth them over through the narrative, especially if they end up back on Earth for a debrief, um, where, you know, we can talk about the planet with the kids and oh. how Magic wasn't down for leaving them there and they and they brought them into the Athosians. Because um, I was never on board with them just leaving those kids there, even with their new shield. Oh, mm. Although I did like how I did like how um, epically they got Radic. <laughs> but yeah, I think the Athosians probably should have adopted all those kids. <laughs> Weren't living in a healthy environment. No, not so much. But you know, there you know, so and there are ways of you know talking about events and saying, okay, we, we met this Asian, this, this ancient woman, um, and um, she was an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've barred her from returning to Atlantis because she tried to seduce the colonel. <laughs> well, realistically, what we did was we made sure that um, uh, Dr. Oh, McKay can't also, get back through to, to blow her gate up. Goodness. Good news for you. We understand you have a new enemy. We can take care of the Ori. 
Because Dr. McKay built the weapon. <laughs> Vacuum sucks those fuckers right up. It's easy, not a problem. <laughs> to keep the ancient Jezebel away from the colonel. <laughs> but you know, the fact of the is that the Ori actually become a problem because of Vala. Um, because yeah. Vala and Daniel are playing with that machine and they end up in the bodies of people in the other galaxy. Mm-hmm. And then they come back and then the Ori start figuring out that there are, there's a whole, gal- there's a whole solar system of, I mean, there, there's a whole galaxy. Galaxy, yes. I don't know what that was. There's a whole galaxy of people who don't worship the Ori, and that's a fucking problem. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, there's all that power that, that they don't have. If Daniel and Vala hadn't discovered Merlin's cave and interacted with that thing, but if Daniel is on Atlantis, the likelihood of them going to the cave is pretty much nil, especially because Cameron wouldn't be interested in doing that. By himself, right. anyway. Especially if he's been um, given command of the Prometheus. And also, frankly, most of the other um, self-scientists are, are kind of intimidated by the military men and women, and they won't touch shit that they haven't been given permission to. Daniel was the only one who looked at Jack when Jack said, don't, and went, ha and did it anyhow. <laughs> but, you know, here's something really interesting. I, I think Daniel fought his attraction for Vala. Um, uh, True. Because beautiful alien woman equals heartbreak. But Cameron's not... <laughs> it's not Daniel. Cameron wanted to climb her like a... So, yeah. I'm like... If she, so, I'm just saying that if she showed up in Cameron Mitchell's bed in the little nighty, he wouldn't be saying no. Well, actually, I think he would, at least initially. Are you absolutely certain this is something that you want to do? And when she says yes, okay, fine. Okay. Let's have fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jay, did Paul you see Jason's comment? Absolutely. Yeah. I like Jason's comment. So we ran into this planet where someone tried to feed John to a race. They aren't there anymore. <laughs> Shit got real for a minute. Um, and the Carl got kidnapped. Did you know that McKay can build nuclear weapons? Really quick. <laughs> Holy shit, man. <laughs> And it doesn't help matters any when there's people aiding and abetting her. Well, I did have an idea actually, and um, for the um, for the Athosian meeting, where John gets called, and Teldy is arranging for the jumpers, trying to find somebody who can pilot one so they can go rescue John, and we're saying no, and Meredith's about to lose her mind, um, and Teldy orders Bashar to put to put weird cuffs. Sticker somewhere that it was I'm over. <laughs> she was violating the um, 
expedition charter because this was a military decision Whoa. and none of her goddamn business. <laughs> Take a I'm seat. In. So Teldy would get there before John got fed on, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, Teldy doesn't take shit. It, 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 it wouldn't be a discussion. It would be, man, go sit in your office. <laughs> now. <laughs> it's like... Although what would be really more interesting is that if the calling happened like on a second or a third visit and um, Meredith got called. Um, you know that comment and, where we were talking about where the planet isn't there anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that would be really interesting because like by the time you know John and them get there to rescue her, she's out of the cage. She, she's investigating shit. She's got a box of stuff, you know. <laughs> Here, grab my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, this is very definitely holds my coffee. She's she's freed all the Athosians because you know, if, if I'm going to write a female McKay, she's going to be a badass. <laughs> well, you know, frankly, the other thing is, and and honestly, they didn't do this for Taylor, and they should have. Bras, when you have a good sports bra. You can stick stuff in them. <laughs> yeah. There's room for stuff. There's room and for by stuff. stuff, I mean knives. Is there are sports bras that have pockets? Yes. Okay. And when when you have your sports bras with pockets, and and if you are well enough endowed, you can move things around so that way it's discreet. And unless you're actually manipulating everything, it's hard to find. Now, I don't think Weir would, would argue about rescuing McKay um, because she's not that dumb. And she has to know that yes, she is. McKay is, is instrumental to their survival. But she desperately wants to get rid of John because she views John as a threat to her authority. She has no idea that the biggest threat to her authority on the plant, or on the city is Meredith. The biggest because threat to her continued breathing. If she decided that Weir was no longer fit to be in command of the city, she has the power within the charter to say, hey, I don't think she's fit to lead. And because all the people on the scientist team are Meredith, she picks them. <laughs> and if she's banging the commander of the military, she's not going to have anybody say, well, you know what, Dr. Hey, I don't think so. They're going to be like, yeah, she's a problem. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Massive problem. So many problems. Yeah. Weir doesn't have a leg to stand on, and she doesn't know it. So, but Weir does view John as a problem. So I think that she would not protest trying to rescue McKay because McKay is um, very valuable as a scientific asset. And also, she would have a very difficult time explaining herself to the IOA and to O'Neill if she let McKay get killed without trying to oh, yeah. interfere. True. Because McKay's a famous asset. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, don't put your phone in your bra. That's bad. 
I had a friend who put her phone in her bra all the time. She ended up getting a second-degree burn on her tit because of her phone. Now, I will admit I've done that to, to because I don't have pockets. And, yeah, I've done it. You know, when you're washing your hands. Uh, granted, she did have one of those exploding phones, but you never know your phone's going to explode until it actually explodes. So. This is the point. Okay, we've got no time. We're out of time. Are we? Oh, we are. We have yeah. a minute and 30 have 90 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> the math comment. Nico would already have the plan book out for what to do about weird. <laughs> I, I, I want to read that. There's a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of things that you can play with. Characters are as malleable as you want them to be. You know, and that's all I got to say, you know. Okay, we're down to 60 seconds. Um, <laughs> you guys have a great weekend, and um, mm-hmm. we will catch you later. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night. Thank you.